Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Meteor Monthly Wrap-Up. My name is Matt, and as always, Felipe is here with us. So let's get right into what we were up to in the month of February 2021. So on the open source side, this is going to be open source heavy of an episode here. We have a few updates on that side. So we have already released a new version of Meteor. This is 2.1. So Felipe, what is important about this release and um, what should people know about? Yeah, we were not planning to have this release that fast, but Node.js released a security update and it was involved like three types of security issues. And we decided it was important to release this as soon as possible. And it was pretty good because Node.js released like, I think in 23 of February and you release just in the next day. Then it was a very short time between these two releases. What's good because then you can keep your app protected. And we decided to release this version without any other big change because as this is a security update, then it's better to just update without to be worried if you need to retest your app. Or Of course, it's good to test because Node.js released security updates that could affect your application. But at least you don't need to worry about more features there that can break your app. And also we use this release to also include another change that was ready. That's the ability to send the plan when you deploy to Galaxy. Then if you have a paid app and you want to downgrade to free, you can do this. Of course, you need to run just like one tiny container and that's the restriction that you have for the free. But also if you want to upgrade or if you need to change to professional, it's just to be easier for you to change the plans in the CLI, in the command line. And of course, there are some rules for each case, but at least you have this ability and that can be helpful for you to migrate easier to a new plan. Sounds good. And I, there was, um, we weren't planning on talking about this, but there were some mentions on the forum about the convention of the 2.1 versus 2.0.1. Was there a reason why we went with 2.1 there? Yeah, there is even a discussion from one of the Node.js core members. They are, I think somebody asked this probably about a different tool. And then he was answered like, yeah, I don't know if it makes sense or not. But in our case, it's like Node.js is our main tool in the backend. Like Meteor is a Node.js framework. Then your app in production is running Node.js in the server. Then as Node.js has a minor version of upgrade, then we decide to also follow Node.js and also have a minor version of upgrade just to communicate better than because one of the main components was suffering like a minor update. That was the, the only reason to have that because usually the patch that the third number in the same ver is more for bug fixes. And this is not really like just a bug fixes. It's like a security update. Then it's an important one. That was why. Sounds good. So those of you who are wondering, there you go. There's your answer. We are also going to try to keep updated as much as possible for these kinds of releases. So um, I was pretty happy that we were able to get this as soon as we were, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to continue that and make these a speedy update when it comes to security releases from Node especially. So that's that. Felipe, you were, uh, I was going to ask you about your progress with the new hire that we were trying to make here. And just quickly, we can touch base on this. What is it that you're looking for specifically and how is that going and, and what should people do if they're interested in, in applying for uh, this role? Yeah, some guys asking the forums, like, how was the progress? Then I just want to explain a little bit the process here. Like first, you try to wait a little bit to receive like candidates and to receive the resumes. Like you don't want to rush a lot because maybe people are like in a week off 
they can miss the process, then that's the important part. We are just waiting a little bit to receive the resumes. Then you can talk to people. And the second very important part is that everybody that sends us an email is going to receive an answer. Like in every case, like if you send any email to any meteor communication channel, you should receive an answer. Like if you're not receiving an answer, probably it's because you're sent to the wrong email or because of our fault, you are going to a inbox that's not there. Then in any case, you should reach hello at meteor.com because you should receive an answer. Then we are going to reply to everybody. And it's not just going to be, oh, we receive your email. We are going to try to, to understand what was your point and try to reply. And that's the same for the hiring process, because I know it's very frustrating when you candidate to a position and nobody <laughs> replies back to you, at least, okay, this position is already closed. Then in this case, of course, as we did the last time, we are going to reply to everybody. We are going to talk with people that we think are a good match. And in terms of a good match, we are really looking for someone that is capable of improving Meteor uh, in the open source side. Because in the private part of Meteor, like Galax, Cloud, it's hard for you to be prepared because you don't know what you are doing exactly because the code is private. Of course, we are using Meteor where it's possible. But in the open source side, we want people to contribute with new features for Meteor. Like we have a big hold map. We have a lot of like feature requests. And that's the goal for this hiring is to get someone to help us in the side, especially. Of course, this guy is also going to, this guy or this, or this girl is also going to learn the private part of our code. But I think for the first tasks, it's, it's going to be in the open source side. Then if you like to like contribute to Meteor using the pull requests, or if you have very cool ideas to add new features to the framework, you are the good candidate for us and we'd like to talk to you. And we are going to talk to a few candidates already. We already have received some resumes and that's going to be pretty soon. So be prepared. Be prepared. And just so everybody's clear, does it affect how closely you look at a candidate if they've already contributed to Meteor and this will improve your potential here for applying for this position if you've already contributed in a meaningful way? Yeah, it's not required to have public contributions because we know many guys that are, know a lot about Meteor. They are working private companies and they are really busy and they don't have time to do open source work. But of course, for us, it's better and it's also easier to identify someone that we already know the code, we already know how it thinks in terms like of open source. We can see how he interacts with the community. And then, of course, for us, it's like a shortcut. It's an easy way for us to analyze a candidate if he is active in the community. And again, for this position, it would be very helpful if you could find someone that's very active with code contributions and also checking the bugs and checking if the issues are really an issue. Like all this work in the open source area is the part that we are interested in here. Sounds good. And then that will be, is it the hello at media.com for applications there? No, we have a different email for the hiring process. It's careers, but it's in the position that was announced in the forums. Then I think everybody will be able to find. But if you send to hello, we are also going to check this. But it's better to send to the proper inbox because I track this in a different way on my account. Then you are sure that I'm going to get your email. Sounds good. And we'll link to that as well in the show notes too. So anybody who's interested in that can find the right inbox as well. All right. So the next piece that I wanted to cover, and I think it'd be relevant for the community, is the verified accounts for Atmosphere. And, and when I say verified accounts, these would be technically Meteor Cloud accounts, although prior they would they were MDA accounts or MDA 
media developer accounts. So it's a little bit confusing with the naming convention, but can we talk a little bit about the verified accounts and those packages on Atmosphere? What was the intention behind this idea? And I guess maybe more information for people. Yep, sure. We are here in the community. And one of the things that we have with Atmosphere that is pretty cool is that we have a lot of packages there, like 14,000 packages, I believe, today. But in the same way, we also have very old packages because people are moving on or they are changing the stack or they are working different projects. Then, of course, some packages are going to be behind. And a nice way for you to understand if a package is good enough for your usage is if you know like who is behind it, like who is keeping this package up to date. And then with verified accounts, that's our idea. We should put a flag in a few accounts that request this verification. And then we check the code quality. In some cases, we don't even need to check because we already know who is behind it. Then when they send an email, we just, okay, we know this guy, we know he's doing a great work. And then you just verify because we already know. But if you are new, it's not a problem. Like you can just send in the same way and we are going to verify our code because maybe you're new and you don't know exactly who you are. And then if you can verify like your code is up to date, you are fixing bugs, you are replying to PRs, to issues on GitHub, then we are going to have this verification in our account. And like this is kind of the first feature in a series of features that we are planning to have in Atmosphere. We are going to talk with the community all the time, but this first feature, I think it was well accepted. We received a few verifications requests already. And if you have a package and you really want other people to use it, it's good to ask for your verification then the user can have the confidence that somebody checked this code. And there is a special reason that this is in the account and not in the package, because we have a lot of like organizations, they have a lot of packages. And it would be a lot of work to request individually for the packages. Then it's nice because usually when you have one package that is good, this organization or this account has many good packages. And also we are working and we have an open PR already for like deprecated packages. Then maybe you have like 10 packs that you are keeping up to date, but that is one that you want to deprecate it. We are also working a way that make this available on Atmosphere and also available in the command line. So you can understand this package is, is deprecated. The storyteller, the community member is working this PR. Then there are just nice ways for you to identify better which package you should work on. Or maybe you love a package, use a package, but this package is not maintained anymore. Then you can create a fork or you can ask for the author to migrate to your account. Then this is the idea to provide some visibility in the packages and how they are being maintained in the last month. Sounds good. And for those people who want to have their account verified, should they just reach out to you uh, with the same inbox? Hello. Yeah, they can send to hello, but the best channel there is like support at meter.com because then uh, more people are going to have their eyes on these tickets and they can verify you as fast as possible. And it's not just me, like the whole core team can can verify our packages and can add this flag to your account. Then that's the idea. Just send to support at meter.com and we can help you. Sounds good. All right. So the next piece here on the open source side is something that I believe you pushed out on the Slack community recently. And I just wanted to bring more visibility to it here uh, in case people missed that. And that was the Meteor Examples repo. And you mentioned it was a good way to expose your projects, uh, give new Meteors a head start in existing Meteor projects and how packages are being used and that sort of thing. Can you tell me a little bit about why you decided to revisit that and what how helpful it could be and for what use case and, and uh, what's it for exactly? Yeah, sure. 
Uh, I believe this is one of the most requested resources for people because we are like, probably if you're listening to this podcast, you're not starting with Meteor. Maybe you're using Meteor for a few years. And for us, it's like, okay, Meteor is easy. You just do this, you just do that. But like for us, because we are working with Meteor many years, it's easy. But for someone that is new, Meteor is not like uh, just one choice framework. Meteor has multiple choice. Like you can use Blaze, you can use React, you can use Angular. We are updating Angular with the community help, of course. Then we are going to have some news on this soon. But anyway, it, it was just a segue. And then you can choose your UI layer. You can also choose your data layer. Like you can use GraphQL, you can use REST, or you can use DDP, of course. And then we have these options. But if you're new, like you don't know the option. Like you don't know why DDP is better for this specific use case. You are just like, I'm starting. And then you have two ways to address this. You can show like a lot of tutorials with a lot of steps, or you can also show like, okay, this is an example. Then you can understand it and you can see, oh, I agree, I don't agree. This is good, that's not good. Or I should start my project just using this as a starting point. And that's enough for you. Then that's the idea with examples. And examples is not new in Meteor. What is new is that you move the locations. Like you had examples before inside the main repo. But the main repo need to run a lot of tests. You need to do a lot of stuff to get your PR approved. And the examples are not running the test, but you are just running because GitHub is just running all the checks all the time. And it's also a huge repo for you to check out. You have submodules. Then it's a lot of work. Then it's better to just have a clean slate for us to start to add new examples. And you don't need to even add the examples in this repo. You can just add the links there. And then we started with two examples. One is hosted inside the repo, the Meteor slash examples on GitHub. And the other one is not inside this repo. It's just linked to a different repo. Then you can keep in the way that you prefer. But the idea here, like our plan is to review this like at least like six times a year, probably, and to make sure that it's really working. Like they are working. They are up to date because maybe some major piece was changed and the example is not updated. Then we are not going to allow that. We are going to keep these examples up to date because otherwise they are useless and they can even cause more problems than benefits. Then that's the whole point. And like how you decide if your example is a good example or not, you don't need to decide. Like just open a PR or open an issue and discuss with us, with the community. Like just open issue. Oh, I would like to publish my example with SSR. And then you can discuss there and you can decide if you want to publish or not. Then you don't need to think alone. You can think as a group and we can decide what are good examples, what are bad examples. To be honest, I don't think there are bad examples. Like maybe it's just bad if you have like two examples that are using exactly the same thing in a very similar way because they are going to be just duplicated. But besides that, like there is no bad examples. Like any code running feature that's working, you should be sharing this code because maybe you have another user that has the same use case. Then it's like, like you have your project, maybe you can just delete a bunch of private stuff and maybe you can publish as an example. That's also great. Then we just want to provide more resources for people that are starting. Like if you are a very advanced user, probably you don't want to use the examples, but you probably can share one example. Then think about it and you can just open issues. And again, the repo is Meteor slash examples on GitHub. Sounds good. And we will uh, link to that as well in the show notes too. And yeah, this is just part of our, just to reiterate, it's part of our process to get more people seeing the value of all the different components of Meteor. So uh, it would be very helpful 
if uh, you all contributed a use case or if you saw something that might be helpful for new users. That's the whole idea. Bring more people to Meteor, get them exposed to how valuable it is, and uh, and we'll work together as a community to make that happen. So, uh, On that note, like I did a, a small survey on the community Slack uh, last week asking about like data layer. And I was expecting to see, of course, a lot of DDP, that's methods and publications, and also a few GraphQLs and also a few REST. But in general, like almost everybody was using DDP, at least in the developers that are in the Slack community. I know it's just like a, a subgroup. It's not all mature developers. But that's one thing that the example can also present, can also show, okay, here, here's how you use with DDP. And maybe you're going to have like 10 examples with DDP that shows, okay, DDP is really strong. And like, I love DDP. For me, it's the nicest part of Meteor because it's very effective and you can scale in many different ways. And the example that I post there, that is a small, small app to uh, mark the moves that you want to watch and it's consuming a third-party API. And then you can just check the films, the, the movies that you want to watch later. And it's very nice and it's very simple. I don't count the lines, but I believe it has less than 500 lines probably. Then it's very small, but in the same way, like it's working. Uh, the UI is not like the best UI, but it's okay because I am a developer, I'm not a designer. But it's a nice UI, like you can interact with it. It's also a PWA that you can use in your phone. Then like, it's a very nice implementation with a few lines of code. This was not going to be possible with GraphQL. And I love GraphQL as well. I think it's a very nice idea and it's a very nice implementation like with Apollo, but it's very verbose. Then in some cases, I don't use GraphQL. I just use DDP. And that's the joy of the examples. Like you can compare, you can see real code. Maybe you should write the same example that I did for the movies using GraphQL and post that and you can compare. This is the idea with examples. Just to explain a little bit more, then you can understand how to use the components together. So it sounds like it could be helpful for everybody, whether you're beginning or uh, intermediate or even expert as well, just to see what the other side of the coin, what, if there's another argument for using a different component or a different way of doing things with Meteor. So don't limit it to just entry-level people using Meteor. It could be helpful for everybody, and that's the idea. All right, let's get into the next piece here. I just wanted to mention quickly that we do have a, again, as part of this whole pitch to bring more people to Meteor and to get more people using Meteor and then therefore hopefully get a job using Meteor as well. There is um, a job board out there called WeWork Meteor, which is great, but we decided to spin up our own as well in tandem with that. So we do have a Meteor job board. It is in the footer of our homepage and we'll also link to it here. But again, trying to get companies to post there who are looking specifically for Meteor developers and um, it is free to use, so we don't we're not monetizing it or, or charging for, for use there. So, so everybody knows we're going to be filling those that job board with more positions, hopefully, in the near future. I think it's got five or ten there now, but in case you're wondering, for Meteor-specific jobs, there is a job board on our site, and it is on our footer. Now on the job board, just to, like, to highlight for Meteor developers one more time, this close relationship with Node.js, like Meteor has some special implementations, I would say, like with fibers. That's another topic for a discussion pretty soon. But like we are node developers as well. And then we know like many mature positions are just announced as Node.js positions because they are also correct. Like they are also node developer positions. And then that's good to have the job board just for mature applications. Then it's at least easier for the community to find these positions because for the companies, usually like mature it's not hard to learn. 
then usually for the companies, just better to announce Node.js, even if they are using Meteor in all the projects. Then like there is this, it's a little bit bad for us because it's hard for us to track down like all the Meteor positions. But you know, we have thousands of apps running on Meteor. And of course, this company have developers. But it's a little bit tricky for us to find these X positions because it's better for the comps to announce Node.js because they can cheat Meteor pretty fast. And I know a lot of companies that are just announcing Node.js positions. But in the end, they're using Meteor because they can train people to use Meteor in a few days. Then just to highlight this difference, but this job board is specific for Meteor. Then if you really love Meteor, and I think probably all of you love Meteor, then you can go to a specific place. And we also have other job boards for Meteor, but this one at least is in our homepage, then it's easier for the companies to find as well. Yeah, I think if you're listening, if you've listened to us for 22 minutes now ramble about Meteor, you probably love Meteor. (laughs) All right, so let's continue on here. Felipe, I believe you had something you wanted to share here as well um, or anything new down the pipeline here. So do you want to, to chat about that for a bit? Yeah, we are wrapping up a few lines of work. One part, it's probably going to be new for most of people that we are working on this, but we are working with Zodern. Zodern is like a known name in the community. And then we are working with him in a new Meteor installer. The first focus is going to be on Windows because on Windows today, you need to install a few tools. Uh, you need to install PowerShell. You need to install Chocolate. And then we want to provide a better experience, probably just installing like Node.js and NPM. And then you can install Meteor using NPM. That's our goal. And we are not far from that. And we are also going to have the final versions of Blaze Hot Module Replacement pretty soon. And we are also working more stuff like in the core. We are working with the Node.js uh, upgrade to the 14 version. It's a huge project because you need to test everything again and you need to make sure all the tests are passing. And also we are working again on the tree shaking pretty soon. Then we have a lot of things going on. And you can see like we are 23 minutes here talking about Meteor Open Source site for the last month. But that's just for you to be prepared. Like you're going to have this new installer and the feedback will be very welcome. Like we know Windows can be a little bit hard sometimes. And then if you test this and you find any issues, you please report to us. And we are going to probably first have a beta and then later you can update the website and the instructions to install Meteor. But it's very important to have the participation. Like if you are a Windows fan, uh, if you are using Windows like every day, we really want your feedback about this new installer that's coming soon. Sounds good. Okay, so we just talked about the open source side for almost the entirety of the podcast. We'll we'll touch base quickly on a few things with cloud um, before we wrap up. The first thing here we wanted to discuss um, was the updates to the logs and the ability to now filter by range and download the logs as well. I believe you can download the last 10,000 lines, if that's correct, Felipe. Anything else on the logs update and, and functionality there that you wanted to touch base on? No, I just want to highlight the range because it looks like a basic feature, and I think it is, <laughs> but we are just releasing now. But before, we could like filter by a date, but it was just like the end date. Then if you filter like until one hour ago, then you just see the logs until an hour ago. And it makes sense. But with range, it's a little bit easier because usually you know better than just the final date. Usually you know, oh, I'm looking for an error, or you can use the search, and then you can click in the time, and it's going to already put a range for you close to that time. It's a small addition, but I think it can make your life very easier. And if you don't want to use the search, or if you are not finding the log that you expected, 
You can also click in the button there and you can provide the raw format like just text for you. And you can just search using your favorite tool to search. And also another feature that logs that maybe many of you don't know about it. You can also use your custom storage. Like if you don't want to have your storage on our site, you can also configure you know, just one line in your settings and you can send the logs to your Elasticsearch. Like many clients use that because then they can integrate the Elasticsearch with other tools that they have already in production. And then if you want that, you have the docs there. It's called custom storage inside the logs doc in the guide and check it out if that's a better option for you. And also about the search and these new features. If you're having trouble using it, just please open a ticket because maybe it's there, it's working, but it's not in the best way in the UI. Then you are not understanding the feedback because when you have a lot of logs, it seems to be like a very easy task, but it's not. Like it's hard to understand sometimes because you have a lot of logs in the same timestamp. Then it can be tricky, but you can just open a ticket and you're going to try to, to explain or even to fix if you find a problem there. All right. So one more thing before we wrap up here with the cloud side, I thought it'd be a good idea. Maybe we could do this once depending on how many more minutes we go here, but to talk about a specific feature on cloud and, and within Galaxy specifically that uh, users of Galaxy may not already know about. And so I decided to do the SEO optimization that comes as a part of the you know, media cloud and, and using Galaxy specifically for hosting via pre-render. Felipe, do you mind discussing this quickly? I, I wanted to make sure people were aware of it and there are other solutions that you might be able to use, but uh, we, this comes pre-packaged within Galaxy and you're hosting with us. So can you discuss on the pre-render side? Yeah, basically there is a service that tries to render your JavaScript application for you in a way that's friendly for search engines. And then we have this provider that's called pre-render.io and we pay this provider to render your pages for you but you don't charge you directly for this. And then it's a nice feature because you are going to use Galax and you have this already there for you and you don't need to configure like keys or whatever because we inject these keys for you. And then you can just use the service and it's great. Like we have many uh, applications using it. I think basically every application Galaxy is using pre-rendering and you can have your page ready for a search. And that's it. Like that is not much to explain because... It's a very effective feature, but it's very easy to use. You just need to, to have your site ready. And you also have the, the documentation about it. You have a special URL that you can put there to see what is the result. If you are like a search, then you can simulate and you can fix it because maybe you are providing the wrong content for a search. And that's it. All right. Just a fun thing that not many people know about. I don't think so. I wanted to highlight that within Galaxy. And um, yeah, well, let's wrap up for this February. There's a lot we discussed and mostly was on the open source side. Felipe, anything else you want to discuss before we wrap up today? No. Nope. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, all.